Some of our members actually found this exercise quite difficult because of the insights it provided about their legacy clients. And even our most experienced clients were falling into the classic mistake of saying, I'm too busy, until they realised the jobs they were working on weren't actually quality positions. Okay, welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and my co-host today is Leanne Jones-Hunt. Hi, Leanne. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. Excited for today's episode. So this is episode two in our new series, Deadly Mistakes Recruiters Make. We want to share our insights based on our combined 30 plus years of experience. So we've helped hundreds of recruitment and search firm owners with their strategies to increase their billings and grow their businesses. Last week, we discussed recruiter mistake number one, which was relying on repeat business and referral and how we must never, ever stop developing new business. And this week is a related issue. So mistake number two is working with the wrong clients. So Mark, do you want to set the scene? Yes. So the goal of last week's session was to encourage recruiters to keep their sales pipeline full of fresh prospects, even when they feel like they're too busy. And that is so you can be selective about which clients you partner with. We want you working with your ideal clients, the ones who fit your criteria, for example, who are willing to work with you exclusively or on a retained basis at higher fees, who have a great process, who treat you as a trusted advisor and a true partner instead of an annoying vendor. So we typically see two scenarios. Scenario number one is you think you're super busy, but in reality, you're working on low probability searches. So you end up doing a lot of work you don't get paid for. So perhaps you'd actually be better off spending some of that time on marketing to find better quality clients rather than wasting your time on dead-end searches. Scenario number two is you're relying on the same legacy clients by default. So you do have some great client relationships, but you're in a comfort zone with them and maybe the terms that you agreed with them way back at the beginning need to be increased or maybe the way your work, you know, the way you work with them no longer reflects the way you'd really like to have that partnership set up. Um, but because you get a lot of business from them, you're you don't want to rock the boat. So if you can identify with either of those two scenarios, pay close attention. One of the easiest ways that you can increase your billings is to improve the percentage of jobs that you fill. And of course, the second great way of increasing your billings is to get paid more for each placement. So Leanne, one of the first exercises we do with our new clients is to get them to do an audit on their existing clients and to actually grade their jobs. So my question for our listeners is, when was the last time you audited your clients and measured the quality of jobs you're working on to make sure you're investing your time wisely? When was the last time you wrote down the terms that you want to work to and the type of partnership that you want with your clients. So the problem is it becomes easy and comfortable work working with the same clients. And that's where we just get into some bad habits. And we ended up in, you know, relationships where it's just not effective or efficient. Um, so some of the phrases we hear from recruitment business owners when they they say things like, oh, I've just got too many roles to work on, or I'm feeling really stretched, or I'm overwhelmed, or there's not enough hours in the day, I don't have time for business development. 
when you hear yourself saying these phrases, then that might be a clue. So take stock. Are you working with the right clients on the right jobs? And if you're feeling like you're at a point where you're frustrated with the contingency recruiting game, you're working super hard uh, to fill a role and you do everything right, but you still don't get paid because the client either moves the goalposts or, for example, they put a job on hold or maybe they fill it through another source like an internal candidate. We just want to ensure you're focusing your time and energy on the jobs that are going to pay off and be rewarding. So this is about prioritizing your time and your workload. And so one thing, by the way, that's a really useful exercise is look at your job order to placement ratio. What is the percentage of jobs you're you're actually working that get filled? So in contingency recruiting, we know that the industry average is 20% or one in five. And if you can relate to that, that means that you're working for free four days out of every five. So every week, basically, you're only working and getting paid one day out of five. I don't know about you, Leanne, but I don't like working for free. So what we want you to do is to be a little more scientific. Leanne, do you want to explain the actual job scorecard that we take our members through? Yeah, so we created a job order scorecard, and this was designed to be a diagnostic tool to audit um, your existing live jobs. So it's a set of measurable factors and a criteria to work from when starting new partnerships or when you're analysing your current clients and jobs. Um, so rather relying on that intuition, experience, or just that gut feel, this actually puts a numerical score against your client and grades them, and it just adds that objective element and answers the question, should you even be working on this job? So some of the factors that are covered in the job order scorecard are uh, the fillability, is the role high priority for the client, how much competition is there, um, how accessible is the hiring manager, so what is the client cooperation and what does the hiring cycle process look like? One of the most crucial factors that are me is measured as well is, is the role actually within your niche? We know how tempting it can be to work on roles that are referred to as outside of your niche. But that doesn't mean by default you should be working on them. This means that you're probably starting from scratch in most cases and being at the mercy of LinkedIn rather than the recyclability of working in your own niche and space with candidates that you already know. So um, other factors that we cover in the job order scorecard are um, how good is the rate, how solid is the agreement and the terms, and how quickly do they make decisions. I think sometimes we make excuses for our legacy clients just because of the history that we have with them. Um, so that gives a flavor and there is a spectrum for each of these two. So A, B, C or D. Um, and we recommend doing this for all of your live jobs. It really gives a snapshot in terms of where you should be prioritizing your time. But the score isn't fixed here. Everything is negotiable, um, but it does highlight those deficiencies and what you can upgrade. Ultimately, this gives you leverage to go back to your client and explain where they are falling short. Um, so we've debated whether or not to offer this tool for free because it's so valuable. Um, but we've actually decided it's too valuable not to share. So just this one exercise could be such a light bulb moment and, a turn, and could turn around your recruitment business. So if you are interested to um, do your own audit of your own live jobs, go to www 
www.recruitmentcoach.com forward slash scorecard. Um, so, Mark, what are some of the common common objections that we hear? Awesome. So, look, the idea of grading your jobs is one that you know everyone can see the value of. So, nobody um, dislikes this idea. The actual exercise is is very welcome and it's eye opening. However, the challenges with implementing it and the reason behind that is simply that I think it's the fear of change. We all have limiting beliefs um, and some of the limiting beliefs that people bring to this exercise are things like, oh, well, I work with bigger clients. They wouldn't you know, give me roles exclusively or they might say things like, oh, you know, Mark, Leanne, you don't understand in my market, you know, it's very price sensitive. You know, there's no way that clients would pay a higher fee, you know. So when if you hear yourself saying these statements or similar, um, then it's a sign that you do have uh, an underlying, you know, self-limiting belief that we need to challenge, you know, um, in order to move forward and improve your business. The other thing I find, Leanne, is that people are scared of losing business. So they're worried that if they stop working with those B and C clients, they won't have enough to work on. Um, the other thing is some recruitment business owners are a bit shocked when we suggest that, you know, it can be a good idea to actually explain the scorecard to the client and use that as a tool to negotiate exclusivity or gain access to those hiring managers or renegotiate your fee percentage. Um, so we would actually challenge those objections. We want you to really think about what would it take to be so well established, you know, that you either with a client relationship or in your space that even with large organizations, they're willing to work with you exclusively or on a retained basis and pay your full rate card. It is definitely, definitely possible. We've seen it so many times to gain exclusivity, even for a period of time before your competitors, you know, uh, learn about that opening. Um, always be thinking about ways to enhance the partnerships with your clients rather than just, you know, accepting things as they are. So, um, you know, this exercise, of course, goes hand in hand with what we discussed last time. You do need to be developing business and have a full pipeline in order to have that walkaway power and to be able to choose your clients and only work with your ideal clients. Leanne, can you give a few examples? Yeah. So one of our members, Michael, he went through this process recently and was immediately able to increase his fees and started getting exclusive and retained roles on. So we coached him through on how to pitch the retainer, how to handle the objections regarding the fees. And for him now, he, it's sort of never going back in terms of the way he used to work with clients. He has his non-negotiables and his criteria now when he's forming these new uh, relationships. But we've seen this time and time again. We've got 50 plus members and the new default is exclusive and retained plus higher fees and we've seen it with Karen, Susie, Gina. Um, this exercise, the job order scorecard, um, will definitely shine a light on some of your oldest and long-standing legacy clients um, and as Mark was saying, you know, it, it's the fear of change and some of our members actually found this exercise quite difficult because of the insights it provided about their legacy clients and even our most experienced 
resilience clients were falling into the classic mistake of saying, I'm too busy, um, until they realized the jobs they were working on weren't actually quality positions. Actually, something else that just occurred to me, Leanne, is that the fear that they were going to lose business turned out to be unfounded because uh, all of those examples you gave, Karen, Susie, and Gina, they all were a bit reluctant to go back and renegotiate, for example, their rates or ask for the retainer because of that reason they were worried of, well, what if the client doesn't want to work with me anymore? And in every case, the client just said yes. So, you know, it, that concern that was holding them back turned out to be really just in their imagination, provided, of course, you can give an explanation or justification to the client about the reason why, you know, this is the way that you want to work with them and how it benefits the client. Then you'll find, of course, not every client is going to come along with you um, in your new you know, way of working, but you'll be pleasantly surprised that many, many will. So based on everything we've talked about uh, today, Leanne, could you just identify um, some specific, simple actions that people can get started with? Yeah. So action number one is to go to www.recruitmentcoach.com forward slash scorecard and download the scorecard. Step two is actually do the exercise in the audit. Give a score to each of the roles that you're working on so you can measure them up against one another. Uh, step three is to reprioritize your time and energy based on that score from what you're seeing. Um, and I think it will provide just incredible insight in terms of where you're spending your time and where moving forwards you should be spending your time. A hundred percent. So again, it's uh, recruitmentcoach.com forward slash scorecard to if you want to do this exercise for yourself. And once you've done that exercise, if you realize that either you're undercharging or you want to make that shift from contingency to retained, or maybe you don't have enough clients to work with to give you that walkaway power, then we can absolutely support you. So the timing actually is perfect for you to have that conversation with us because we have a new cohort starting our Inner Circle program on the 31st of August. So if you're interested in learning more about that, then book a free one-to-one strategy call with either myself or Leanne by visiting recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. So you've, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you've been curious about our Inner Circle Coaching Program, but you haven't yet reached out, don't wait. Get in touch now. You will either speak to me or Leanne. We will ask you lots of questions, discuss your specific situation, your goals, your challenges, and give you a custom roadmap for leveling up your billings. Okay, so... Um, Leanne, let's wrap up. Yeah, so it's so crucial to have an awareness of where your clients are deficient. There's always room to improve and upgrade your clients um, in order to get more billings for the same or less effort. It's about drawing a line in the sand, raising your standards for what you will accept in terms of working with existing and new clients. Also, to be completing this audit regularly, partnerships change over time and you want them to evolve. So join us again next time. Leanne, do you want to give us a flavor of what we will be covering in our next episode. 
Yes. Uh, next week is mistake number three, relying on LinkedIn as your main source of candidates or perhaps your only source. Many recruiters only have one main channel for recruiting, for example, email, instead of building a multi-step, multi-channel campaign that leverages technology. We've seen that people give up too soon when recruiting or they, they've been recruiting for the same way for years and bad habits have crept in. Um, we also find that recruiters don't evolve their approach and don't leverage these multiple channels and touch points. Awesome, Leanne. I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, this was fun. Have a, have a great day. You too. And I'll see you soon. Thanks, Mark. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.